Hey everyone, this is Dan Albert of the Fight Site. You may remember me from those classics such as talking too much or getting bullied by Tumen and Hacks on chats all the time. Uh, this is another episode of my good old uh, watching watch-alongs with um, the classics. And today I kind of chose a bit of a unique one that if you've never seen before is probably going to be a bit of a treat. And even if you haven't, well, it, it stands as a really, really, really interesting one. And just to revisit and whatnot. Um, I am, of course, referring to the old 1931 clash between all-time greats Tony Canzanieri and Kid Chocolate. And Kid Chocolate is not his real name, don't worry. And that's what why I brought someone along with me today to kind of co-star and with me I have the former fight site founder and legendary curmudgeon who is no longer blocking people apparently on Twitter <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin Kyle how are you today hey Dan I'm pretty good man how are you I'm pretty well so so Kyle since you're the big history buff or retired history buff what can you tell us about this fight uh, this is one of my favourite fights of all time. Uh, in terms of based on the footage and based on you know, the fighters going into it, that's what makes it so important. Uh, I, what do you want me to do, Dan? Do you want me to tell you about the fighters, or do you want me to tell you about you know my own recollections of it? What what, what order would you like? I think this is your deal. This is your deal. Yeah, for sure. So I think a good place to start with this is um, talking about who these two guys are, because. Um, once again, we kind of live in an era where footage is limited, but what you do see from these two guys is, um, and this is kind of my impression of both guys, because I've watched a bit more Kanzanieri than I have of Kid Chocolate, and um, yep. Kanzanieri is a really, really unique kind of fighter in terms of like how he goes, because he stands really upright, he kind of carries his hands at his side, he's really reliant upon his just absurd cat-like reflexes. But he's accurate. He has like a great sense of distance. Knows how to work the inside. Has great pressure, or etc. Just can kind of do a bit of anything in any kind of fight. Whereas like Kid Chocolate kind of seems like this just stylist that you would point to to just counteract the argument of, hey, boxers back then didn't have like some of the substance of like the newer ones. No, if you watch Kid Chocolate, like you can tell like he's constantly aware of what he's doing like stylistically. Behind his lead hand jab, his upper body movement, his footwork, his control of the ring, and he can compete everywhere too. But like historically, it's kind of hard for me to really talk about these two guys, and I feel like that's your niche. Well, you know, with Kid Chocolate, let's start with Kid Chocolate. I'm gonna do them in in uh, uh, I guess it would be ascending order in terms of uh, how I rank them. So Kid Chocolate for me would. Probably not be in the top 100 of all time. Uh, if he hit, if he is, he'd probably be in like the 90 to 100 category based on the fact that he was a two-weight world champion and, and has got some really excellent wins. Um, but he, like you just said, we'll probably talk more about the stylistic stuff as we watch these guys because it will work perfectly with the footage. But I think if people want to get a grasp of um, who Kid Chocolate was before they watch along with us, uh, stylistically, he's a bit like a uh, bit like Pretty Boy Floyd version of Mayweather, but with bad balance he often throw himself off balance because he's so offensively wild um but no less brilliant offensively he's got every punch in the book and like you said he's he's, he's masterful all ranges uh on the back foot you can see him catching body shots on the elbows uh slipping uh with a side-on stance similar to how Mayweather stood uh using shoulder rolls etc and we'll, we'll see that in this footage uh kid chocolate going into this fight um Allegedly, his record was 67-3-1 according to box rate, although at the time, contem uh, contemporary reports often painted him as having a, uh, uh, even more wins than that. Uh, he had fought at a lower weight class. I, I spoke about this briefly because he he has a mutual opponent with Panama L. Brown. So in my top 10 Bantamweight series, uh, there's a Spanish opponent of, of both of them that uh, I write about at length. And he... Uh, apparently was robbed against Kid Chocolate, but that was down at Bantam. So as Kid Chocolate, the way I see it, based on the reports, is the more weight Kid Chocolate moved up, the stronger he got and, and the less flaky he was. But he was highly uh, uh, touted for his long undefeated record. 
he had lost a couple. Uh, Jack Kidberg, most notably, which was which made the career of Jack Kidberg more on him later. Uh, he lost it. He didn't win the featherweight title outright. He, he moved up the featherweight. Did not win the title outright. Uh, then won the super featherweight title, and then later won the featherweight title. That actually comes after this first fight with Canzaneri. What's important about um, Kid Chocolate is he was so uh, popular and highly regarded that he was actually due to fight for the vacant bantamweight title, which I also talk about in my Panama Brown piece against uh, Fidel Lababa. Neither of them made weight. Uh, they fought three times in total and eventually uh, fought for a world title, which was... Uh, Kid Chocolate's featherweight and super featherweight title. So they did they did fight for a world title in the end, although not the uh, originally scheduled uh, bantamweight title. Uh, for me, Kid Chocolate is, is is on the peripherals of the top 15 featherweights of all time, and I do have him as a top 10 super featherweight of all time. Um, not quite enough to get him in my top 100, as I say. Although, uh, as you probably know, Dan, after about 75 for me, the brackets get deeper and and and, and broader, and 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 that's those sort of fighters are. Uh, less diligently collated than than the top 50 to 75. Um, with Canzaneri, who is in my top 15 of all time, in my top five lightweights of all time, uh, and is for me absolutely one of the greatest uh, pre 1940s uh, fighters that we have decent film of. Uh, let me just step back quickly with Kid Chocolate. We, we don't have as much footage with him of him. Uh, we have uh, a fair amount of footage of his fight with Al Singer, who's another one of the best fighters of the time, future champ. Uh, I believe there's footage of Battling Battlino out there with uh, with Kid Chocolate, but with Canzaneri we have a lot more. So let's go on to Canzaneri. Uh, like you said, with Canzaneri, uh, relying on head movement, reflexive head movement, hands down by his sides. Um, sometimes you'll see people using Canzaneri to like beat this generation with a stick in terms of, look, these guys didn't know what they were doing, but Canzaneri was an outlier even then. Uh, he was... I guess I guess for people that are people that are unacquainted with Canzaneri, he's kind of a bit like a 1920s and 30s version of Nassim Hamid in a way in terms of how yeah I, I was thinking, he was yeah I, I was thinking that when I watched him because it's like what what he does is he just fakes with the upper body movement to draw re- responses out and then he just like quickly gets in but like. If you watch him against like someone like Barney Ross who is kind of more of a clinical like standard fighter. In yeah, terms sure. of what he does, like you can see that like his style not only works against it, but you can tell that like normal styles can work against it too with the right implementation. So it's like it's more of the application and how he uses it that matters. We talk about the reflexive head movement. Also, Cantonary had literally one of the greatest chins in all of boxing history. It was pretty much impossible to hurt, let alone finish. He only got knocked out once against famously uh, heavy-handed Al Bummy Davis, uh, and that was in his last ever fight. So, uh, Cantonary has a similar career directory to uh, Kid Chocolate, though. He fought for a version of the Bantamweight title uh, against uh, Bud Taylor, who uh, was from uh, Terre Haute and uh, was one of the scariest sort of bantamweights of the era, and actually someone died at his fists. Um, did not win that. Then won the featherweight title against Frenchman Andre, I believe, I've never heard his name said out loud because there's no footage of him, but I believe it's Andre Routois, who uh, Cantoneri, if Luca Bordon was here, they'd be, he'd be able to tell us, but Cantoneri later avenged the loss. Uh, but featherweight was more of a, a, a bridge for Cantoneri because he later won the lightweight and super lightweight, although lightweight as it was then, titles, uh, by knocking out the aforementioned Jack Berg, uh, which is I want to make a point here. We said I just said that Canzaneri is sort of similar to Nassim Hamid, and Nassim Hamid is known as one of the greatest uh, punches of all time. Canzaneri uh, is very much one of these guys. If you look at his record, you go, oh, this guy's feather fisted. He had you know 170 fights or whatever, and he knocked out like 40 guys. Uh, they were really durable and really versatile back then. They were harder than knockout. You watch Canzaneri's fights with uh, uh, Frankie Click or. Uh, Kidberg, or even someone much larger like Jimmy McLaren, you can see that Canzaneri is clearly a thunderous puncher. Uh, I just want to make the point as well that um, in this fight, uh, we've got the lightweight and lightweight champion Tony Canzaneri facing off with the super featherweight champion Kid Chocolate. And if Canzaneri weighed in two pounds less, the fight would have also been for the super featherweight championship. So I, I think it's... Um... I think it's good we probably also point out the numbers to these weight classes because not all of our listeners are boxing oh, sure. oriented. Yeah let, yeah, let me run through it quickly. So in, in these days, I just want to make a point which is really important about this one. 
Kid Chocolate Super Featherweight Champion. That's 130 pounds. And I alluded to the fact that Tony Canceri also held the light welterweight title, which was 140 pounds. In these, in this day of boxing, these titles were very lightly regarded. It's not like today, where the in-betweeny uh, or the or the bastard weight classes are as well regarded as any others. In these days, they were seen as somewhat as marketing tools or for fighters that weren't able to win a title in the quote-unquote real weight classes. Um, the, the weight classes become standardised in England from 1909, uh, and England and, and America later caught up with them. Uh, and the weight classes uh, that we're talking about here, uh, from bantamweight to light welterweight, bantamweight is 118 pounds. There was no super bantamweight in those days. Next one, featherweight, 126 pounds, so one pound over the current UFC flyweight limit. Although of course these guys were not cutting weight, they were generally genuinely that size. Uh, 130 pounds super featherweight 135 pounds lightweight has been that uh, ever since and 140 pounds uh, super lightweight as it's called now or light welterweight in those days yeah so i i think the main thing is just um it with weight classes in boxing they're just slower distance because it allows for greater like um uh what's the word like kind of fluidity, like guys can go between those weight, weight classes a lot more. Weight jump, weight jumping, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and so it also means you'll have like more champion on champion fights as opposed to like say what you would see in like the UFC, but it, it also you you don't see that as much nowadays. But uh, th- this was a constant constant thing back then, and, and these two guys were like legit like weight hoppers already, and so you kind of have what. I don't know if it would qualify at the time as a super fight, but um, it, it was it was still kind of an off marbles kind of sort of fight at this point. Uh, the, the way it qualified as a super fight is they had both big draws in New York. So if you're both a big draw in New York, it's a big fight. Um, also as well, one thing I want to make a point about the weight hopping is these, these guys started boxing as they were they were teenagers, so they would have been naturally around uh, you know bantam weights or fly weights and then moved their way up naturally as they became men. Uh, and grew into the weight class. Someone like Kid Chocolate, though, uh, definitely maxed out at like super featherweight because he had some fights at, uh, against lightweights. Uh, like in this one, he's fighting a guy who's 132 pounds. He already knows that Cadzaleri can beat light weights, um, uh, you know, 10 stone fighters. And Kid Chocolate, he's still weighing 127. So even when he's not trying to make weight for a title fight, uh, at featherweight, he's still barely over the, the featherweight limit. So, um, uh, you know, a strong lightweight he was not. But as I say, in these days, these guys had to be as versatile as possible. So, um, yeah, with that, I think we're, we're pretty much ready to... Uh, mm-hmm. Unless you've got some more questions, Dan, about... I, I, do have a, I, I do have a few talking points quickly on my side for this. So, um, th- this fight is an old one, suffice it to say. This is a 1931 fight and the footage is going to be a little difficult for those of you who have never seen it before to follow along um i think we'll quickly distinguish like the differences as it goes on and i mean it's been a while since i watched this one but this is one of my favorites too and and both of us i think know it well enough to know who's who but um it it will be a little green dan can i just jump in sorry to be you know to, to sound like uh, a moron, but um, one of them's black and one of them's Italian, so we can differentiate pretty quickly just by you, just by saying that. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, I, m- mostly, I'm just pointing out, like, so if you're one of those like footage traditionalists that goes like, yeah, old footage is bad. Um, this won't be the fight for you, but we don't like you either. That's okay. <laughs> I'll um, say one other thing, Dad. There's actually footage from around this time that's better than this. You know, even footage from before this that's better, and it really annoys me. People won't. Uh, watch black and white movies or, or black and white fight footage because uh, you know if you look hard enough you know the, the quality a you don't need to look hard to see the quality of it and b that there's that oftentimes you know film shot in 35 millimeter you know if these films are scanned correctly we can get up to 4k resolution mm-hmm. you know yeah th- it's th- it's really good stuff yeah this is still really good fight footage like um the first round and the last round are still look pretty well preserved it's every other round between them where you'll you'll kind of notice the difference. So if you're watching this along with us, you'll go like, "Whoa, what the fuck happened?" That's kind of what happens. But um, otherwise though, uh, Kyle and I were talking about this beforehand. Um, but but an interesting question to ask yourselves maybe is, do we like this fight because it, it kind of subverts that idea that like these old fights weren't that good, 
or like were really really crude or is this fight genuinely good because it's really really good um and i think kyle and i lean towards the latter but i will be curious to kind of like hear what maybe some viewers or like listeners think if they've never seen this one before i will say one thing if anyone watches along with us um i don't think there's i don't think there's any way to not realize the uh should we say accumulated quality of this bout these guys are both incredible um one thing i'd be interested is if people watch along is i think we've got one or two rounds missing um that's just you know nature of the the, the age of the footage um i'd love to see how people feel the fight actually went because it's very hard uh, fast pace and, and and hard hard fought and um yeah it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a tough one i will i'll say yeah this is one of the hardest fights to score i've ever seen it's as evenly fought as it can be, and you see them fighting everywhere and, like, anywhere. Like, it'll randomly turn into a brawl from hell at some points, but it'll also be highly slow and just, like, a constant, like, kind of match of chicken at other points. But, like, you see everything, and it's and when they really engage, like, it is one of the most aesthetically cool fights I have ever seen. 100%, and um, this is a real, legitimate world title fight between the best super featherweight in the world arguably the best lightweight weight in the world and the actual best lightweight in the world so dan mm-hmm. your question about whether this was a super fight i think we can agree whatever the thought at the time um and as i say mm-hmm. these guys are both very popular in this retrospect fucking, yes this is a fucking super fight let's watch it yeah all right so if you want to follow along um the video in question is by uh, someone named Jao. I believe it's J-E-A-U. Um, we are going to start the fight at seven seconds in. Um, so I'm going to count down as soon as I say go. We'll get started. So three, two, one, go. We are at nine seconds, ten seconds, 11, 11 12, 12, 13. There we go. Now, if someone has the still has the original film print to this, um, we could definitely do a better job of stabilising the image and, and making a, a better uh, quality uh, image. I know that, but it's, it's actually originally a boxing. Looks like it's originally a boxing Hall of Fame uh, Las Vegas video, so that's from the Bill Clayton collection. Um, and quite frankly, this is might not be a it's, I, I doubt it's a first generation print and mm-hmm. it's certainly if this, this 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 scan has not been done at anything like mm-hmm. uh its best quality so as we start on look straight away these guys getting look at that over yeah look. it's a battle of like underhooks right away and like overhooks like kanzaneri is like looking to get inside right away and like chocolate's working on the outside behind that jab and kanzaneri is immediately trying to cross counter it so like yeah i love you can see although kanzaneri is like kind of janky in his own way like he still has the fundamentals down like he's been trained and like right away you see like the head movement like kanzaneri coming in chocolate level changing and then using the clinch to like separate we've already seen kanzaneri use two different variations on the cross counter both uh, at range when chocolate pivoted out and then inside as well, when Chocolate was trying to use the lead hand to frame off, then Kanzari whipped the right hand over the top of that as well. So already he's trying to counteract this jittery, elusive little man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Kanzaneri's main like left hand, you've probably noticed it's very at his side. Like It's kind of a bit of a spring, like kind of what a cat does. Like He likes to leap into it and just jump into to like close that distance. And he's faking it like upstairs and downstairs to like make chocolate think about how this the how the entry is gonna go. Oh, and it's kind of allowing him to close that gap and then work to the body. So like right there, there it's like the same telegraph. Like he can fake into the jab, he can hook off of it. it it's a very he can turn it into like a little shovel uppercut. And there's like the aesthetic head movement from both guys. Look at that. Yeah, what was great there is that um. They were both slipping punches, but Chocolate was the only one managing to get his counters off. We'll see that change as the fight goes on. But, I mean, like we said, there's, I'll, I hate to use this term, but there's nothing old-fashioned about this fight. This fight is just it's just beautiful. We see there that Kanzaneri then changed it up. Instead of, like, um, jabbing his way in, he, he turned it under and threw a hook with it. 
it's crazy how many it's crazy how many phases this fight has been changing to with so much like into the clinch using frames to like break the clinch and then immediately like oh Canzanera is going to push him against the ropes chocolate turns him etc it's just so much is already happening and very rare that referees back then had to actually break the guys but they got a bit of a tangle there what we will see is Look, see there, they're not fighting their way out. Referees will quit the breaking, but generally the guys will fight their way out of the clinch, and we will actually see it. We're seeing it now. I love I love Kanzaniri's inside work there, like, using, like, grips and frames to, like, manipulate. So, like, even when he got down, like, he positioned his elbow against, like, the solar plexus to, like, create distance to work again. And there's just so much craft, like, already. Kanzaniri kind of threw a right hand as he's being pushed back on his back foot, Then it was like when Mahomes throws... Throws in the opposite direction off balance, you know what I mean? Like Cantoneri, he will do weird stuff like that. Here we go. Like you say, the footage here is not great at all. We could definitely do a better job of scanning this and preserving this, and we need to because it's a fantastic fight. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it, like you said, like refs, um, refs themselves will break things, but like back then, you see a lot more like willingness to work in the clinch, but also like guys using the clinch for the same multi purposes as more modern fighters, like hey, I'm going to use the ref breaks to, like, position myself against the ropes or, like, get off the ropes and stuff and then get away. Like, um, Tuman Hacks and I did McCallum and Callum. No, sorry, McCallum and uh, Tony a while ago. We talked about that kind of thing, and you can kind of see some of it here. By the way, as an aside, I just realized that the... I know what happened there. The, the Boxing Hall of Fame Las Vegas video is in good quality, but it's only the first and last round. So this yes. person has used a third-generation VHS copy, which is circulating for some time, uh, and just taken out the two rounds, which are in good quality, <laughs> and tacked tack them onto the beginning. So it's likely that uh, Steve, who runs the, uh, the, the the Boxing Hall of Fame, Fame Las Vegas, has either not got the full fight or he's just got a very nice highlight because that's would have been the reel that was preserved from cinema distribution. Oh, look at that. Oh, and oh, there they go. This is where it gets crazy. Sorry for that. Um, just a little bit of uh, a bit of a hypothesis about the uh, about the state of this footage, which is my thing, you know. I'm the footage guy. Oh, for sure. But I yeah, love that. That was so frenetic, and both guys, you know what I mean. The referee don't need to get in. It's a clean, basically a slugfest. That was. It was great. Yeah, it's just like, and now it's back to like some more clinch battles. Like, uh, chocolate's using like the overhook to like uppercut and now he breaks like that's the cool thing even though like both guys have their own like respective advantages like they're still good enough in each other's like territory to like compete there the beautiful lance and jab as well that's like a Tommy oh, no. jab. oh that was wonderful. uppercut into the like the straight and then the jab to like break that distance and then oh, like ducks down it was, break it it was jab there's a jab there's oh you think there's going to be a jab dip it at knees throw the uppercut and then bring the left hook behind it absolutely Beautiful. And now Kanzaniri's messing with it, like little uppercuts to like get in, then beats him up inside. Oh, tried for the uppercut again. I mentioned earlier that that you know for 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 Layman, you know probably Kid Chocolate is a bit like a Floyd, Pretty Boy Floyd kind of style, but really it reminds me most of Johnny Bratton who came later, uh, the great welterweight contemporary of Kid Gavilan. Uh, that's who Kid Chocolate reminds me most of. Yeah, both of them are like messing with a bunch of like feints to kind of bait the other out and now it's like three rounds here we are round three indeed so and kind of like Two the dynamics masters. haven't re- the dynamics haven't really changed too much but it's like the principles are still the same and so much is happening it's it's genuinely hard to keep up but like that's just a sign of how good it is yeah there Kanzaniri mixes in like the right hand to close the distance like off that those lead hand feints it's like he's established like a triple threat with those those or like maybe a six-fold threat with like uh to the body too and then he like mixes in the right hand too so that makes chocolate have to constantly think about when do i get my counters in that was perfect you noticed that he couldn't land the jab so what he did was we threw the jab to just to move chocolate a little bit to his left and then threw the the one two through the the right hand straight behind it and punched him straight in the kisser beautiful yeah fake the right hand to the body to hit the left one and, and then like they get back in the clinch. Now Chocolate's messing with, like, upper body to, like, try to jab. I love these feints. I love this battle of feints. I love this battle of lead hand feinting. This is just beautiful. And Canzaneri there, you see that? He went square to slip on the outside. He's basically taunting Kid Chocolate there, saying, like, look, you can't even land your jab on me. 
But this 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 clinch battle, although we've seen Kid Chocolate get the better of the actual clinch position so far, favours Kanzneri because he's the bigger, stronger man. Yeah, I do like how Chocolate's like been positioning his head like on Kanzaneri's shoulder to like smother him and then kind of yeah. like posturing back to like push him back because it's like, oh, I can't muscle you around. I got to break this or work. Now these guys that now these guys are doing they're getting low. You see, this is great. Oh, that what you said there, Dan, a minute ago about the right hand to the body. Kanzaneri just caught Chocolate with that on the on the exit. It was great. As Chocolate pivoted yeah. out, he's like, yeah, I'll meet you there with the right hand. It was lovely. Yeah, so here here they are again, like chocolate kind of like controlling those arms to break to like force the ref break and now they're back. Oh nice work from chocolate. Ooh. Yeah. This, like the aesthetics like kind of speak for themselves, like really. Like both guys are just dynamic upper body the yep. kind of movers and, and like you just kind of see that in every exchange. Like they're constantly doing that. I wonder whether we can gleam something for, about Mike Tyson from this. He famously watched a lot of reels of uh, Kid Chocolate, um, studied Kid Chocolate on uh, on 35 mil film, or maybe it was 16 mil. On and uh, we know that Tyson's not great on the inside. Oftentimes he would use the clinch to try and uh, posture and create space. And I wonder whether he would have got any of that from Kid Chocolate. I actually see uh, most of Tyson's inside and clinch game. Uh, position especially creating space for the uppercut from henry armstrong uh you see a lot of similarities there someone else you used to watch i just wonder whether we'll see anything similar from kid chocolate kid chocolate um because i know tyson is a big big fan of kid chocolate has been studying him for decades so kansanary is a little less bouncy now like he's kind of trying to catch and pitch counters back like uh less upper body things too like trying to catch with that rear hand and then like counter back or like frame into hand traps and keep working and like trying to create proximity on chocolate now. And and he's clear he's clearly trying to slow him down because he's making a concerted effort to attack the body. It's really nice work in that regard. I love yeah, that it, from Cancelleri. Do you see that? He used the right hand. He went he poured with the right hand, then actually used it to defend himself as he came in with the left. So he, he mm -hmm. used the right hand as a bait. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot a right hand at you, and then he just shot him <laughs> behind it and through the left. And the right hand was already there to defend from any potential counter. It was lovely. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Kind of stuck like a frame in there immediately. After yeah, 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 yeah. Hit the left hook, you stuck the frame in. Beautiful. I noticed that. It was great. See, this is nice work, see? It's a single, single um, overhook there, and they're both working with the free hand. It's not an overhook, actually. Chocolate actually initiated the underhook there. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. I thought Kansanari yeah. had the overhook, but both times I think Kid Chocolate initiated that. Yeah, like if you're not the stronger guy in the clinch, then you gotta like have the better like positional controls to get work done. Yeah. Now chocolate's kind of starting to build momentum back a little bit, like at distance behind that jab, and Kansas so it's up to Kansas to break it. Kansas seems really calm. He seems earlier on he seemed more frantic, and now he, oh my god, Ooh. that was a, that was a game that was a game of millimeters right there. Oh. Oh. That was not that was not a knockdown in those days. Oh, oh. Chocolate right hook counter, beautiful, overhand right almost, lovely shot. Cancelleri really favouring that uh, Barrera esque half hook half uppercut uh, lead hand. Yeah, I think he's, he's kind of like he's postured a little higher than like how Barrera would throw it because like he's blitzing sure. in as he does it, but. Yeah, it, it's kind of the same thing. And there's that right to the body to close the gap again. Like, the thing is, strikes also function as, like, transitions to bridge gaps. And so it's like, hey, I threw a right hand. Oh, now I'm shifting into it. And now I got you into the clinchers, which is where I want to be. Because it's like, why not use, like, my physical advantages here? That was lovely. Lovely short little right. And again... And now, now when Kanzari throws that left, that left, which we just oh. spoke about, Chocolate's countering with the right hand over the top. He's yeah. Or, the or he's closing the door with that left hook yeah. or like hooking off the jab too. So it's which, which is great. We literally just mentioned now Kanzari found an opening and you know that very wise corner said to Kit Chocolate in between rounds, he's getting there with that shot and this is what you've got to do. It's beautiful. We can, we can extrapolate that just from that sequence. It's beautiful. 
Yeah. Oh, Chocolate kind of fainted and like punished him for that level change. Absolutely. About twice in a row as well. Really nice. I mean, these guys are masters. There's no way anyone, unless someone coming with a pre-existing agenda or a non-functioning brain, I don't think anyone could watch this and not go, these guys are fantastic regardless of era. Yeah, it's not just that. Like, both guys are kind of crazy athletic, too. Like, the upper body movement of both guys is insane. And, you know, nowadays, Kid Chocolate... Oh, you, look at those body you, shots. <laughs> that Kid Chocolate we're looking at now, he'd be fighting at, like, 1-1-2. He'd be fighting, you know, uh, maybe... He might be fighting like Roman Gonzalez and that, where he wouldn't be outsized. Do you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. uh, anyone watches this that thinks Gonzalez would walk all over him, I think they need to uh, give their head a bit of a wobble. This guy's fantastic. Hey, yeah, it, really I love how this fight just changes so many phases. Like at range, it's at it's like a game of chicken, and then it just goes back to like temporarily being wild again. Like it just stops and then it just explodes again. It's almost and like it, once they once they breach each other's like range, they're like fuck it, we're here, we might as well have a tear up. Do you know what I mean? It's really in, oh that jab was beautiful. Canzanari kind of oh, tried oh. to look away and it still caught it. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. It's like Canzanari, since he stopped committing to that upper body movement a lot more and trying to catch, like, so messing with the jab is really, like, allowing Chocolate to get back into it. But as well, Canzanari, short, shuffling movements, which you alluded to about a round or so ago when you said, look, he's really upright. Chocolate's doing a lot of moving. Over 15 rounds. Yeah, the pace of this, too. The the pace of this, too. Like, they've been constantly doing things. It's like Canzanari's, like, little half-step feints are also kind of janky. Because, like, oh, nice body work. Like, now he's putting the volume on. It's like Kanzanari, like, will fake those steps, and so you don't know when he's going to suddenly, like, blitz in with that left hand. So that adds another layer to those entries for Chocolate. And what Kanzanari started doing there was, after he's thrown the left, he was stepping to his own right and then shooting his right hand as Chocolate was trying to exit. So he's trying to bring a bit more of that into it now and uh, really trying to force chocolate around like we said this is a, this is a game of a, a game of feints essentially uh mm-hmm. and and what a lot of people don't realize is you know feints aren't just you know faking a jab it's you know little shoulder moves little dips like you said earlier level changes etc um, and i think yeah. mma fans would really appreciate the, you, you see a lot at the moment the whole chasm between mma and boxing fans i feel like four ounce gloves or six ounce gloves that these guys are wearing i think mma fans almost appreciate older boxing more than they would the modern game if they are indeed anti-boxing in the first place i think they'd like this kind of uh this is more akin to a, a mma style or certainly will be once mma catches mm-hmm. up you know like it, to, i love the two little changes going on because like both guys have already adapted like into this round too Ooh. like yeah it's like chocolate's been like looking to draw counters out like kind of leaning his upper body movement like up oh god and then like he's gonna blitz and like he's kind of like taking kanzaniri's own like kind of blitzing game against him like drawing things out like he's standing closer and but he's moving this yeah yeah and kanzaniri's been like shooting a jab out a lot more he hasn't been really using that jab a lot so he's trying to draw out responses too so there's more feints happening it's just in like a battle of range chocolate has like the slight advantage yeah, Chocolate's holding his feet a bit more now. And uh, yeah. like you say, like forcing matters a bit more in the pocket rather than rather than and you've got to remember as well, if he's running around and Kanzanari's coming forward, it ain't gonna look good for him. So he's gotta hold his he's gotta stand his ground at some stage. And as we said, every time he stands his ground, he seems to get better of the exchanges. <sighs> yeah, it's like but like he's still that. like he, he's still drawing like kind of a line though that's a little dangerous because it's like Kanzaniri is still like the guy who wants to close in, so it's like I got to take these risks, but they're risks for a reason because it's like, defense, yeah, it's um. so it's really, really critical. He picks his spots well and he's been doing a great job. But then like sometimes Kanzanari like can threaten like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, He's basically chocolates in that very fine line of he's got to get close enough to hit it, but he's got to get out quickly. And as we can see now, Kanzanari knows this. He's been trying to time him with that right hand on the exit constantly. He's yeah, Kanzanari's... No, oh, oh, nice counter. Yeah. Which is what Chocolate just did to him. That was beautiful. That was... Oh, that was, oh man. Yeah, both guys in that sequence a second ago, like, Kanzanari's, like, cutting off the ring, but then Chocolate using the jab to, like, get out. But it, it's, like, even... Like, the momentum, whenever it shifts, like, it, it, it doesn't last long at all. God, we're already in round seven. It's crazy. It is crazy. To think in a modern boxing fight would be halfway, more than halfway through. 
we're at just about well about a minute and a half would be the exact halfway point of this fight and the footage is struggling oh. now but i think it's still pretty clear what's going on just about gotta put a bit of effort in but you know you are rewarded for your effort yeah like and there's benefits to watching this footage too like uh one you're like giving history benefit but you're also like kind of teaching yourself hey these fighters could do things back then too Okay, both guys are a little crouched down now, so, like, they're more willing to engage, and so it's, like, the bat battle of those feints again. Bear in mind, we can't see it because of the rudimentary uh, filming technique, but uh, this stadium held over 50,000 people. So I don't know what the capacity was for this, but I say they're very popular people. So this was likely a really, really, really packed crowd. Yeah, like from what I've read, all accounts of it was that it was a pretty uproarious, kind of rowdy crowd. So I have to I imagine they were really enjoying this one. Oh, absolutely. Again, Cantonary trying to shoot a right hand over the top. It's, it's testament to Kid Chocolate. Um, people will think that, you know, it's really one one note for Cantonary to keep doing that. But he's so close, and, and yet he's so far. Kid Chocolate, so elusive. Just yeah, stepping it, out. It, it, yeah, it's also like, we. I've been pointing this out since the beginning. Cantonary's been mixing in, like, different threats and how he enters. Like, it's how... It's like, oh, is it the left hook to the body? Is it the uppercut to the body? Oh, maybe he's going upstairs instead. And, oh, wait, no, it's a right straight to the body. So he's constantly mixing those feints in. So it's like, it does look rudimentary and very samey, but, like, Chocolate doesn't know which is going to come next. So it's really, really critical. He picks his spots. And Kanzanari has been getting consistently closer with those threats now because he's really playing upon them. Cantonary really, really offensively diverse. Um, even though Chocolate looks to be more so because he's he's flashier. You know, Cantonary he's got the he, shovel hooks. He's got these these uppercuts. He can throw with either hand. He, he's got that. He throws the jab like from chest. He throws it out from his like his pec. You know what I mean? He doesn't. You you see, he's 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 advancing on Chocolate. With his hands down by his waist. He throws his jab in a similar fashion. Sometimes he will throw that lancing up jab. Sometimes he's thrown it straight out from the chest. He's got no regard whatsoever as to his chin. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Any, he's slip, not just... any slip, any slips he's doing, is not to protect himself, but to create another offensive opportunity. Yeah, it, it's like he can get away with that because of how durable he is, but also how fast he is. Because that's the other thing. Like you can't do that without having absurd reflexes, and he definitely does. He's got a bit of a Roy Jones about him almost. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Actually, I'll tell you, tell you what, it looks a bit more like, it's like, it's like, uh, if, if Tony Cantonero is Roy Jones 1.0, then Lloyd Marshall was, uh, uh, you know, or, or vice versa, you know, Lloyd Marshall was Cantonero 2.0, then Roy Jones was uh, Cantonero 3.0, it's that kind of thing, you know, it's a similar kind of thing, For we sure. mentioned Nassim Hamid, but, you know, we often say, oh, he's, he's got his hands down, he's unorthodox, he's like Nassim Hamid, we're not seeing the, the switch uh, stance and uh, the switch uh, changes uh, in stance that Nassim was known for. Uh, this is more of a Roy Jones kind of thing. Um, we've seen diverse offense well. We saw earlier on, we saw Kanzari briefly using a cross arm guard, which is obviously Archie Moore would later utilize to great effect, um, most famously. Uh, we've seen him framing off to create space. We've just seen him do it then. We've seen the head movement, upper body movement, um, chocolate, uh, more like catching shots on the elbow, slipping, and then more lateral and, and, and backwards movement. Cantonary I love more about staying in range. I love Chocolate's ring craft in this round so far because I think part of it is both guys are trying to figure each other out again. Like, they're kind of back to a different phase. Of it. It's like, okay, we kind of see what the other guy have. This is, now we kind of need to figure something new out. And, and Chocolate's kind of having the edge because it's at a much longer range and he's yeah. drawing those counters in, though. This is a jabbing... This, this round, no, you mentioned it, is a jabbing masterclass. He looks like Subbu Colombo or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's really yeah. beautiful. Like we said earlier, he was moving... Oh, nice. He's just moving enough. Look at this, man. Beautiful. I think people assume inside fighting, you put your head next oh. to the other person's head and start throwing, and these guys are slipping shots 
shoulder to shoulder. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Kanzaniri just switched his head to the other shoulder and then put it under Chocolate to, like, break his posture and then, like, push him back. Like, like little nuances like that are really important on the infight. There are definitely times where Kanzaniri's, like, now we just saw, he basically offered Chocolate the jab. Didn't, didn't like the look he was given and didn't fire back, but I definitely think there's... Cantoneri is willing to take one to give one, not in the sense that, like a Ricky Hatton kind of way. But I also, know, yeah, I like how he roughhouses, like will push Chocolate back and then immediately blitz in. It's like I want to stay on you and make this kind of like my fight consistently. We consider, of course, if you, if you if you push a guy off balance and then and then and then swarm him, you've got more chance of knocking him down. So that's, that might be what it is. We saw it earlier when you and I both said <laughs> that's not that's not a knockdown, but that's basically in that sequence what happened, as far as I remember. Yeah, a lot of people think that's a knockdown, and I can't blame them at all because it's like, oh, he is like off balance quite a bit, but he kind of pops up immediately, so it's like referee didn't even care. He's like, carry on, guys, it's fine. <laughs> Love refs. Did you see then that Chocolate he tried to jab to the like the outside mm-hmm. wrist position of Cantonero? I think he was trying to see what sort of look he would get. And yeah, uh, Chocolate's been working that like left hook to close the door, but also to like hit him on the counter over and over again like that. Like, it's kind of been variations in, like, his lead hand work or the, like, mix-up pulls like that. The hand fighting is, you know, is really something to behold. These guys are basically, you know, trying to trap each other's jabs, pull the hand down, and create space for counters. It's a wonderful fight between two aggressive counter punches. Yeah, it's like neither guy is playing it safe that much either, but they're still being really smart about it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we haven't said that there are certain times where they 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 breached each other's sort of lines and gone yeah let's go for it but you've still seen in those instances that they are being proactive with their head movement they're not just standing there and wailing away uh this is not gatty ward and that's not me uh being negative towards gatty ward obviously the first fight is, is unbelievable one of the greatest fights of all time but um this is uh, a great fight between two great fighters Mm-hmm. I like Kanzaniri's little, like, short right hook to the body as soon as he gets in. Like, it's a great punish to, like, downstairs because it's, like, Chocolate has been so evasive upstairs. So it's like, oh, you're going to move towards my power hand? Well, that's an easy chance for me to hit you. Oh, both of them there were leaning down. They were going to explode, and then it was Chocolate that got his shot off. Really yeah, nice like, Kanzaniri kind of did the Armstrong, like, guard thing to, like, get in. And then, like, Chocolate's like, oh, shit, I better uppercut you. You'll see as well, Kanzaneri kind of windmills multiple times to the body, and then he tries oh. to catch Chocolate on the exit one shot upstairs with a chopping hook. I think that's what he's trying to do, try to bring the guard down so on the exit he can catch him upstairs. Not quite worked so far. He's got a few slaps in, but nothing... Oh! Nothing major. That is, that, that's what happens when you lead with a right uppercut from the outside. <laughs> you get yeah. caught. Did we already see that sequence before? Because it's like, that was kind of a very similar one that we saw earlier, like, uh, cracking... That's a famous cancellary sequence like that when he does that. And then, you know, when he slips the, the jab multiple times with the head movement, I think that's just a famous clip of cancellary. It felt like deja vu. Um, if you've watched anything, obviously you've seen this fight before, but if you ever watched a cancellary highlight, that clip would have been on it. But the whole <laughs> thing with the, the, the sort of wailing away to the body, then chopping away upstairs, he has indeed done that more than once. Oh, that was lovely. Right uppercut from cancellary. Again, Kanzaneri's not willing. When he gets pushed back, he will he will continue throwing. He's mm-hmm. hoping that Chocolate follows up the initiative with him. Like you were describing about Kanzaneri, he's probably hoping Chocolate's doing the same. That's why when he gets pushed back, he tries to throw something big. It's also, in terms of attritional damage, like because the fight has been constantly like a high pace, Kanzaneri's banking on his attritional damage, like overwhelming Chocolate at some point. Because, like, Chocolate has not hit that body nearly enough, and he's kind of being forced to make Kanzaneri back off a lot more. Oh, that jab. It is worth mentioning that in the rematch, Kanzaneri wiped Chocolate out in two rounds. That's wild, considering how this fight goes. Yeah, it was apparently very wild fight, and Kanzaneri banged him out with a right hand. So, um, as far as I remember, that's the first knockout of Kid Chocolate's career. And if you look at his record, um, he barely lost for, like, there's long stretches of his career where he barely even loses a fight. Maybe the odd one here and there. Um, and even after Kanzaneri beat him, he was still a formidable fighter. I like how Kanzaneri went for the uppercut there. As soon as they were entering the clinch, it damn near almost hit Chocolate. 
And we're back to where we started. Yeah, more overhook, like, into body shots. I, lo I love when I watch the old school fighters do that, like, use those overhooks and, like, just hit the body. Oh, those counters. Oh! And Cancelari bombing the right hand as well. See that fight in there for, for good position on the clinch. That was beautiful. Lovely work. The ref's like, you guys are cancelling each other out. You've, you've fought in the clinch too often. Out you go. It's great. They're both, both so good at clinching, they can't fight their way out, which is so rare for this time. Both, they're not, they're not conceding anything in the clinch. Constantly yeah. fighting, fighting, what we would say, fighting grips, so to speak. They're, they're I, just constantly fighting. Yeah. I love Chocolate's little, like, fake weaves he's been putting into the, oh my god, like that right hand a second ago. Like, he's been nailing Kanzanieri with the overhand snow. It really is, like, the, the Dempsey roll, what, what Chocolate's doing. It's yeah, like they, it's got that Ippo style going on, and uh, it's, it looks more like Ippo's one than than Dempsey's. It's it's wild. Yeah, I I we've been talking about the ref a bit, but it's always like a good sign of a ref that he like can pick his spot so much because it's like, I, I he's only been doing it when it's like oh it's really passive and stuff. Oh. So I, I like what Chocolate just did. Like, oh, you're going to put your head under me? Well, then I'll just uppercut you. It's it's so much, like, practicalities from both guys that you can just tell that they just get what to do. Oh, lovely. A windstep jab there. Yeah. See that Canzaneri, like, doubling, tripling up on the mm -hmm. left hook. Desperately trying to, try to swat a fly. Yeah, he hasn't been, like, hooking off his jab so much, like, when he got... Um, that's like Nassim Hamid. Sorry. That's like Nassim Hamid. What we just saw then. Yeah. That was like Nassim Hamid. He went from Southpaw to Orthodox, sometimes oh, square. Oh. He was trying anything. Sorry to cut over there, Dan, but that little sequence there, that was no, much no, like a Hamid sure. kind of thing. And now he's, he's like, mixing anything. up, like, little level changes into those uppercuts more. Like, a la Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo, but, like, more applied to this. Oh, that was a beautiful oh, right hand to the body. Yeah, oh. they've been, like, going at it a lot more in the last, like, two rounds. <laughs> Cantoneri's, like, up to it. He's like, right, okay, I'm oh. just going to throw it at you now. Yeah, like, Chocolate, like, kind of showed that, like, oh, I'm willing to, like, bang it out with you. And Cantoneri's like, oh, you want to bang? Then let's... Fucking fight. I love those little short rights to the body, like, to get in. A little swagger from Kanzanere, so I can go kind of, like going back and forth it's like he knows he's the more physical guy and it's like you're more nervous about engaging me than the other way around like the confidence of both these guys is crazy it is ridiculous you saw there Cancelero like stood in the pocket basically had his chin out and like not in an arrogant way but desperately goading chocolate to throw something at him so we could aggressively counter him in the pocket it was just ridiculous yeah this is such a good fight it's unbelievable uh, very much a technical two-way, which is what I call these, and basically mm. what you you guys just did with the uh, the Tony McCullum one commentary, um, and there are other fights I would put in that category. This is one of them. Uh, um, the Marquez Pacquiao two would be one of them. Uh, Conte Saad one would be one of them. Uh, you know, McCallum Callumbe, um, Triple yeah. G Canelo. This yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the the second McCallum Callumbe fight, the second one, is a great technical two way, and uh, the first one's what I put under the masterclass, mm -hmm. um, and definitely Canelo Golovkin two. Um, the first one was really good, but the second one was was a masterpiece. One of the, one of the greatest fights of all time, in my opinion. Oh yeah, and for this sure. this is one of, and this is one of them. This is fantastic. Yeah, it's like two way technicals are like fights that not quite our wars but they turn into like just complete firefights at some point but so much yeah, skills yeah. involved so much skills involved exactly we're not talking about technical fights in the hipster way the boring ones 
Uh, they, they're usually the technical ones that are boring are the one-sided ones. Um, we'll talk about the technical ones where both guys have got a high-level proficiency and thus force the best fight out of the other man. And that's what we're seeing here. That was lovely. Cancer, like, to pivot into that, like, sort of switched into that uh, yeah. hook to the body. He kind of went he's standing. He's standing so much more square and, like, Chocolate's tr trying to, like, counter the jab that Kanzaneri's, like, putting out. Because Kanzaneri's also trying to stiff-arm him. Like he did there. Oh, he faked, like, did you see that? Like, he faked the, like, right uppercut and then switched it to, like, a left yeah, uppercut. Yeah, that was instead. wild. And then he threw the right uppercut straight after. That's wild. Sick. When you're giving someone such a variance of looks, it must be so hard to keep up. The fact these guys are keeping up must show that these guys are just, they're, they're putting on a masterclass, both of them. It's amazing to think that after, what, over half an hour of fighting, still, they look pretty fresh. Yeah, the endurance of this fight's crazy because it's like so much upper body movement too, and so much movement. And not to mention like all the muscling around and like the clinch too. Ooh, Chocolate nearly took his head off with that uppercut. Bear in mind that uh, Kid Chocolate fought a 10-rounder less than three weeks before this fight. I mean, it's just wild. Yeah, the conditioning has to be crazy. Like, if you've ever done, like, boxing, like, classes before, like, uh, or even just regular spars, like, they are tough. So that just tells you how well-conditioned these guys are. Yeah, I love Chocolate's, like, pivoting with the jab. Like, he's so yeah. consistent about that. Like, it, it's one thing to just jab normally, but, like, pivoting well, you jab at the right moment as the other guy's coming in, like, is a testament to, like, understanding how to use that jab. Also, as well, with Cancelari being square, we see that he does, he's quite square um, at times. Mm -hmm. The fact that he was barely even knocked down in his career and he stopped just watching <sighs> his last fight is just ridiculous. Because you'd think, oh, if you're square as much as he is, someone's going to catch you eventually. But this guy was so good reflexively and so tough that, he got knocked out once in, in his last fight against one of the hardest punches in lightweight history. It's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it was his last fight, too. So last you know he fight was past it. against a banger. And, you know, for me, oh, lovely. You see that? Oh. stayed in, like, southpaw just swatted him with a, with a lead right hook. Cantoneri's, like, 11th or 12th for me in my top 15. Um, McLaren would be third. Obviously, he's famous, most famous for his, for his rivalries with Barney Ross, as you mentioned earlier. Lovely head move. Sorry, lovely head move from Kid Chocolate there. He's playing Kanzaneri at his own game there. That was beautiful. Yeah, it's like so, what he's been doing the whole fight is sometimes he surprises Kanzaneri by going like, hey, surprise, I can enter the clinch too. It was lovely. Uh, but Kanzaneri is most famous, obviously, for his rivalries with Kid Chocolate, but with Barney Ross uh, and Jimmy McLaren, most notably, and Lou Ambers. Um, and, you know, if you watch any of those fights... You just see that Cantoneri is is a, a just a tremendous, tremendous fighter. You said earlier about Barney Ross. To me, Barney Ross stylistically he very much resembles Oscar De La Hoya, but without the powerful <laughs> left hook. He's like, like you said, upright class, uh, classicist essentially in terms of his style. Very, very kind of clinical textbook kind of fighter. Like probably one of the like original ones you'll see on footage from what I've seen. Oh yeah, sure. And uh, with uh, with uh, McLaren, he's more similar stylistically to Cantoneri, but he's not as weird. He uses the low hands to sort of bait people in because he's a, a big power puncher. Look at those weaves from oh. Kid Chocolate to set up those counters and then like punishing like Cantoneri's overhooks. And, oh. and, and, and yeah, literally hitting him. He hit him with one hand, so he switched <laughs> oh, the overhooks. So he hit, hit him with the other one. Oh, Cantoneri tried to come in with those like little like sweeping like uppercuts and Chocolate just nails him with some hook counters. I awesome. love the way the way they spin out at the bow. Like fuck you, man. I'll see you in in in, in a minute. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. And then they immediately go right at it. Like they know it's coming down the wire, so it's like they know it's close too. So they're really going at it now. Want to make clear as well that people sometimes people think, oh, they just stood there and traded back in the olden days. This is not. This is not out of a uh, necessity. These guys, they're not. Do we've seen they're not doing this because they've done it any other way. This is from design. These guys are trying to do this. I think people must have, might assume that old boxers just stood toe-to-toe -to -toe and traded and it was a war because they've seen maybe 
a 30 second clip of, I don't know, Tony Zale, Rocky Graciano, or even before that, something like uh, Ad Walgast and Battling Nelson. Um, but th- th- it's almost always by design due to the styles of the fighter. Mm-hmm. And we've seen here an incredibly diverse matchup, which also features, I said, we said it's a two way technical. You would think, oh, battle for the jabs, you know, outside fighting, a bit of mid range work. These guys have had an, a grueling inside fight. Yeah, and they just go at it. Like, look at this stuff. Like, they are fucking throwing at each other. It's just, it's like, you just, you you can watch the old footage and you can still find, like, clinical kind of, like, outside performances and stuff. But it's like, you can still find this stuff all the time where it's like a mix of both worlds. Now, if I recall correctly, this is around where, like, Kid Chocolate has one of his coolest moments of the whole fight. Let's see. Yeah, I think it's towards the end, but, like, I mean, in a fight with so many cool moments, it's really hard to keep up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think, like, the an underrated quote, that counter uppercut. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Kid Chocolate is doing the cancer everything. He's now digging to the body of close. One thing I want to say is to contextualise anyone that's decided to stay with us uh, this long is that um, Joe Lewis had yet to even make his debut as a professional. That gives you an idea of around the time this fight was. Um, Within five years, he'd be heavyweight. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. God damn. This transitional offense is bang, 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 bang. Stepping into every shot perfectly. Yeah, like um, he beats like Kanzaniri coming for him. It's like, surprise, counters. And he's been point, doing that the last few rounds, too. And now he point, was looking to do it again. Was, oh, my God, oh. this is insane. This is insane. Chocolate's getting the better of this, 100%. These sequences here, like I said earlier, whenever they do this, Kid Chocolate gets the better of it because they're both super quick defensively, but Chocolate's faster of, of hand. So he's able to like, get the best of those exchanges. Like, he's also kind of tied her with, with his punishment. Yes. Sorry, punishment because Kanzaneri kind of loops his shots. So it's like Chocolate is like weaving into his shots, whereas Kanzaneri is kind of charging and like kind of spamming a bit. But it's like he's been timing his moments so well that like it's still very equal. And so now we're in the 15th round and like the footage is kind of back to normal again. Yeah, and yeah, it could still be so much better, unfortunately. It could be so much better than this. Yeah, this it's, it's like, say, this is probably from the theatrical tour that this fight did. They wouldn't have shown the whole fight. Maybe they would have shown highlights. And this is why the first and 15th round were probably on a small film canister that was maybe played at theatres or um, as a, pre- a prelude to, to a larger feature or something like that. Yeah, I, I like how um what we don't talk about often is I think fighters have a great idea of like, when the fight's really hanging in the balance and like it's kind of an experience thing. So it's like, you see both guys have been going for it in this last third or so much. I love how he's he's framing with like a push off of the jab. And if it doesn't work, you use it as a frame. It's great. Yeah. And then like chocolate hit like a little shovel uppercut and then like left hook to kind of close that door. Yeah. Both guys are kind of finally a little bit tired at last. It's kind yeah, of yeah, they are. For me, Chocolate appears to be feeling it more though because he's not as strong, and he's he's, he's got, hasn't got that zip that he had. Like, I think that last round he, he put so much into it. It's no surprise. Yeah, Cancelari looks tired too, but he's still he's doing the chasing, and that's important. Yeah, because it's still making Chocolate work. <sighs> What a ridiculous! He's punching him in the arms, man, and look, I don't even realize how painful that'd be. He punched the arm by an elite boxer. <laughs> yeah, it's like keeping your arms up and punching, anyways, especially a lot, is already tiring. Like if you haven't worked a bag like before and you try it, like you learn how like tiring it is. So like getting punched in the arms too. <laughs> Kanzaneri went for like a like overhand. Oh damn. Do you know what? When we said earlier, it was crazy that he knocked him out so early in the rematch. It's almost like it was round 16, 17. Do you know what I mean? Like they just they yeah. just went straight back at it and then Chocolate got knocked out. It's a real shame though footage of that exists uh, or it, it indeed appears to have survived. I would love to see it. Any footage of these guys is a blessing. Yeah, like we have so much lost footage. And so it's like we really need to appreciate stuff like this because it's like if you've been if you've been watching this and like hearing us kind of flip out of all the cool stuff and look at this stuff, they're still going at it. 
Hey, look, like, it's the former featherweight champion, the future featherweight champion, the current super featherweight champion, the current lightweight champion, and the current lightweight champion going at it for 15 rounds. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? It's unbelievable. Yeah, what unbelievable. a unbelievable fight. And, like, they kind of were hugging off of the clinch like, at the end. That's of course just... they were. They were like, uh, what's the word? It's like, looking, it's like looking into a mirror at times. They must have. They, how can you not respect your opponent after that? Luckily, both of these guys are known as, as great guys. Uh, yeah. yeah real, real gents. Yeah, and, like, watching this fight, it's like, we haven't been scoring it, but I think, like, our commentary indicates just how close that was. I thought, as we, went, as we were sort of halfway for the 15th round, I thought, I have no clue who won the fight. Obviously, we know that Cancenary wins by, by split decision, um, which would seem just. Um, for me, if I was you, I put a gun to my head, I probably would pick Kid Chocolate to win that, just because we were talking about the extra, the additional quality of his work. But um, I think we're, we're missing we're missing a round, aren't we? I think we're missing one or two rounds. So I uh, I have no idea. I get, I didn't pay I, that I much think, attention. I think, I think it might be missing a round. Um, yeah. Which hey, in a fight like that, could be pivotal. So no point of real scoring it. Um, if you put a gun to my head, I'd say maybe Kachoka got the better of it. But as I say, it's hard to score. However, I will say one thing. Like you said, very very close, and just what a beautiful beautiful fight. Yeah, just um. I think so. We talked about it earlier, like at the very beginning. It's like if um, if you're like a good question to ask yourself at the end of this is like, do we like this fight because like it's a classic that shows things up, or do we like it because it's um a legit great fight? And I think the answer is ultimately a bit of both for me after watching this fight again. Uh, for me, I just think it's an outright great fight. For me, I'm yeah. happy to say that's I'm happy to say that that is one of the best fights i've ever seen yes um, for sure and i hope anyone that watches with us um even if they don't think it's one of the best fights we've ever seen i hope they've managed to persevere through the the bad footage because personally uh, i think you're, you're you're you you get a real treat i think you get a real 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 treat if you if you put up with the poor quality uh, and you get a real tr- treat at the end because it goes back to semi-decent quality which is nice um and uh, yeah, I think it's um, it's just a very rewarding watch because not just in terms of the quality of the fight, but you get a real good glimpse of what boxing was like back then. And I think I was going to show you if, if someone said to me, boxing in the old days, uh, you know, generally uh, was wasn't very good. Um, and yeah, this would, would be a fight I would, to show I would, them. I would show them that. Yeah, I would show them that fight because I feel that would change. I feel that would change their opinion. Yeah, if you've once again, if you've never seen this fight before. I really do hope you watched along with us and kind of came to understand at least why we think it's so good. And if you have seen it before, maybe this just reinforces that notion. But, um, yeah, I have no problem saying this is one of the best fights I've ever seen. Probably top 25 for me, I think, at minimum. Yeah, for me, it's in the top 10. Um, canonized in the fact that um, Boxing News, my, my top 10 was actually published in uh, Boxing News when they did the 100 Greatest Fights, uh, which I contributed to. Uh, what eight years ago now where i wrote uh, 10 of the articles i believe um which is a, a pretty fun publication i don't necessarily agree with the list but um there's still some decent reads in there uh, <coughs> mine um but uh, yeah my, it was in my top 10 i think it was maybe six or seven or something like that and uh, i stand by that even we've had some fantastic fights in the meantime we said earlier you know, canelo golovkin 2 would, would be one of them uh pacquiao marquez 4 obviously that would be pushing uh to get into my my top 10 of all time uh you know so but for me, it still it's still for me it still makes it. Um, yeah, I, I think like um any list is just always gonna have different criteria, but it's like it, I I I can see this fight being in my top ten. I can see it being in my top twenty. No problem. It's it's that good. Yeah, sorry, I've just um seen the news that a, a soccer player has collapsed and uh, we don't know whether he's uh, stable or not so i'm um, sorry about that dan I, I drifted off for a second there it's a euro tournament as you know dan i was postponing viewing soccer so i could commentate this wonderful fight with you and it seems there's no game anyway because a player has uh looks to appears to have had a cardiac arrest on the pitch which is uh rare uh oh. usually does not bode well and it's a very famous player christian erickson very famous footballer uh, apparently he is apparently is stable so that is good uh, apologies oh, for wow. anyone listening but hey hey if you didn't listen to this now and you listen to it in two years time you know exactly when we recorded it so that's cool um a bit of a, a bit of a time capsule there but um, yeah yeah sorry me, yeah sorry to end a little somber but uh, i hope those of you listening had a lot of fun this was a lot of fun to record 
let's not end somber. That fight was fucking amazing, and I'm so glad I spent the last hour or so with you, Dan, because obviously you're a friend of mine, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I've been a fan of this fight for a long time, uh, and yep. I'm so glad you're a fan of it, and I'm so glad we got to commentate it together. It was great. And uh, Yeah, I had anyone, a lot of fun. Dan, I just want to say, if anyone has uh, watched this and has enjoyed it, um, they can hit me up on, on Twitter if they like, uh, at uh, Combat CHR, that's Combat Charlie Hotel Romeo. And you can ask me questions, you know, ask me about, you know, do you want, if you, if you want to know anything about the footage, but really you should be joining the Fight Site Discord. Dan, do your plug. Yeah, so um, Fight Site Discord, you can join for about, I think it, the minimum tier pledge is about three or five dollars. Um, it's not a lot per month, but uh, you get to talk to all of us a lot. We have several different categories. And even if you don't want to talk combat sports, you can just chat shit with all of us. I think most of us, they're pretty chill. I'd say most of us. Uh, there's a lot of shit posting. But uh, for the most part, um, yeah, and if you ever just want to find classic fights, um, I'm currently in the midst of trying to create a massive archive list and whatnot for every combat sport I've seen because, you know, I'm obsessed and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mostly am a boxing, striking writer for the site. Um you can follow me at typewritingda on Twitter. Um, if I'm not like shit posting about MMA or just introducing classic fights, I'm probably talking about video games, literature, or other things that are interesting. But um, yeah, if you ever have any questions, my DMs are open. I'm pretty good at like introducing people to things, and well, I try to be nice to everyone unless you give me reason not to. But I'm really happy if you listen to this. Um, recording these is a joy. And I have to thank Kyle again for joining me because history is really, really cool. And this is a damn good fight. No, Dan, I'm really happy that you're carrying on my uh, baton, so to speak, because I'm not really in the game anymore. And uh, I'm more than happy to share some of the knowledge I've accumulated. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy that uh, you're showing the interest in these fights at your age that I was at your age as well. It's fantastic. So thank you, thank you for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm not with the fight site anymore permanently, but I'd love to come on again. And I really love uh, catching up with the guys. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Kyle. This was a pleasure. And I hope those of you listening enjoyed All right. Have a good day.